It's Wednesday, August 3rd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill this week, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher, from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, welcome. Hey, Mac. Hey, Mac. Hello. Are we feeling it? Feeling it. Good, because on today's show, we've got beer and donuts. Beer's good. It's just like breakfast. Beer, yeah, exactly. And donuts are good. (laughs) But I want to begin with the slumping stock market. Guys, August is off to a very ugly start. Charlie Travers, what's one thing you're looking at as you're trying to make sense of this stock market? Oh, sure, Mac. Uh, You know, despite having, uh, you know, the market's been pretty good for the last two years up until recent weeks. Um, But one thing we've tried to communicate to our members in the million dollar portfolio is that the financial crisis really didn't end in March 09. A lot of the issues uh, that were underlying. Wait wait, a minute. Boy, am I too Debbie Downer here? (laughs) I heard it did (laughs) it. Well, you know, so in the U.S., we have debt to GDP pushing 100%. There's, you know, the ongoing problems in Europe and Japan all similar. And, you know, I'm not predicting another catastrophe here, but we should expect in the states to have slower economic growth. And where that comes through towards us who are tend to be bottom-up, company-focused investors is just to be a little more restrained with how we're thinking about, you know, the company's prospects over the next five years and really try and pick our spots carefully. And that's really what we're looking to do right now versus what you see in the headlines. Yeah, it's simply true that there are really only two ways to get out of debt. I mean, for us, we could go bankrupt, which which doesn't seem like a great choice. Or the other thing that we can do is is spend less. And you spend less than you make because you have spent more than you made in the past. And that's that's the story with the US consumer right now. And it's it's a process. It's not something that you know that ended as Charlie claims, you know, in two thousand and nine. <laughs> that's you know, I yeah. That's why I'm watching GDP uh, closely. For, for two reasons, obviously, the more GDP grows, the more earnings can grow at the companies we're buying. You're looking also, for a flicker, right? Uh, like, some flicker, <laughs> some flicker of life, please. The numbers Friday were, of course, <clears throat> frightening. They were so low. Yeah. And secondly, with our debt being so high, we really need GDP to go up. Otherwise, yeah. the debt becomes a, a larger burden. So, yeah, Mac, with the, the S&P is down about 8% from its... May 2nd high right now. So, But it's been a rocky ride to get there. See, the interesting thing to me, though, is that the, the area where we have seen the most bargains this year has been in large-cap American companies. So the fact that the S&P is down, I mean, if you if you compare it to the NASDAQ and the Russell, the Russell's been horrifying, and the mm-hmm. Russell's a small-cap index, and that's been the area where people are just getting crunched. The counterpoint to that is we've made a killing holding small caps <laughs> over the last year. Yeah, and you exactly. get a point of how long can you play that game before no, you get I, a little too nervous. No, that's exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, that's. I, but I think I, I think that's a very valid point is that people, they tend to focus on what happened yesterday and what happened today. It has been an astounding run against a pretty scary backdrop. So, right. Eh, I so mean, keep it in perspective. Huh? Keep it in perspective. And, and as we've seen, now is the time when people are afraid and now is the time that it is just it's been proven over time. Now's the time when you got to start getting interested in buying stocks. Okay, guys. On yesterday's show, Bill and Tim talked a little about how Walmart wasn't getting a lot of respect. So I want to name some names here and bring it to the individual company level. Jeff, what's one stock that you think is either underappreciated or unloved? You know, another large name we all know, and I've talked about it before, it's Intel. At at today's price, it trades at about 9.9 times earnings a low multiple to free cash flow around 10 and it yields 3.8%. They Intel still dominates the PC market of course. I I just think it's 
underloved. And they're making a big bet on this Ultrabook, which in theory should really bring the best elements together from a laptop and a tablet. What do you think? That's their goal. And Intel has the power to create an entire new product niche. They've done it before. And that's what the Ultrabook hopefully will be, the best of a tablet, the best of a notebook melded together, driven by Intel chips. But look, mobile the mobile market for Intel is all upside. They have very little share there. So it's all upside. And they're going to get into that market as the years go on. Yeah, you know, with a company like Intel, and I think about a lot of the large cap tech companies, the bet isn't that it's trading at nine times free cash flow. Uh, the bet is that they get that right. And what you're what you're what you're having the ability to do now is bet is make an investment with none of that baked in. Mm-hmm. So all they have to do, I mean, to me, the thesis of Intel is: do they get the ultrabook right? I agree to 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 a certain extent. No, you to, agree to a hundred percent. Back to you, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I, I wish my decisions were all that easy. Uh, Ultrabook is important and, of course, continue to dominate the PC market, which is growing in emerging markets like, like wildfire. Shoot. That was a good point. Charlie, what's one stock that you think is either unloved or unappreciated? Uh, I, I'll stay in the large cap tech arena and go with Microsoft, which has been unloved for about an eternity at this point. <laughs> I mean, the stock's been, you know, it's a fraction of where it was a decade ago. And that's despite, you know, a 7 or 8% year after year increase in profitability. And it just doesn't have the sex appeal and the stock is languishing. But this is a company that takes a very long-term view towards its future. And it's willing to plow a lot of money to see things pay off. You saw that with uh, the Xbox division, which has finally turned the corner. And I expect over the next two or three years, you're going to see that in mobile as well. And I think people are going to come around. Okay. Well, next up, we have a story near and dear to your heart, Charlie Travers. Yes. Shares of Boston Beer slipped on Wednesday after the company beer. reported a 72% yeah. jump in second quarter profits, but that sounds good. Lord guidance. Ooh. Okay. So a lot of us, when we think Boston Beer, we probably think Sam Adams. Um, company has more than 30 beers and a little under 1% of the U.S. beer market. Now, Charlie, this is a Hidden Gems recommendation, and I know for a fact that you like beer. I do. So you are uniquely qualified. <laughs> I've, I've He's been, the guy. You're I've the guy. Likes yes. beer. What about these earnings? I've been on the Sam Adams Brewery Tour, for that matter. Is that right? Yes, I have. It's a nice little place up in Boston. Um, the earnings were not that surprising. Uh, they are facing... Uh, rising costs, uh, barley's coming up, uh, fuel. If anybody's tried to do uh, their own home brewing, you know you have to boil water, and that's very expensive on the large scale. And they're also facing increasing competition. I love the yeah. large scale home brewing. <laughs> yeah. Bill, and I were, yeah. Bill and I were trying not to crack up. Yeah. I, I didn't know. It was Is so that expensive. legal? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Charlie's Beer yeah. Company is taking market share from Boston Beer Company. <laughs> but so the the beer dynamics, the domestic beer market in uh, you know Anheuser Busch, InBev, uh, Molson Coors, they're all losing market share very very slowly. Uh, year after year to the craft brewers like Sam Adams. And what that does is bring in competition. So you see like Molson Coors with their Blue Moon and their Lining Kugels coming after this, this kind of market along with all the private companies you know that we know and love like Bells and Allagash and Rogue. And so what happens is Sam Adams' costs are going up because they're hiring more sales force and increasing the advertising. And that's really what's underlying the uh, earnings drop that they are guiding for this year. And to what extent do you think Boston beer is part of this Whole Foods economy that just seems impervious 
and immune to any consumer downturn. Yesterday, we were talking about the first downturn in consumer spending in almost two years. And yet, you've still got these companies like Whole Foods that are just chugging along. Is Boston Beer one of those companies? Yeah, sure. Their uh, revenue growth throughout the financial crisis in 08 and 09 did slow. But the top line kept growing. They didn't take the dip that you saw with some of the, um, you know, lower tier kind of brands. You know, I, I mentioned Molson Coors earlier. They do mention uh, high unemployment as affecting their sales and their volumes are down. Uh, Sam Adams seems to be a little more impervious to that. You have a set of companies that that generate super normal profits and super normal uh, gross margins because they've got. They've they've got that level of loyalty from their customers, so they can they can charge a little more. And I think Boston Beer Company is definitively on that list. Favorite beers, Jeff? I'm a snob. I'm kind of a martini, Manhattan wine snob. And I'm sorry, I, I see the disappointment in your wow. eyes. Wow, <laughs> wow, you just crushed that question. But if if you have yeah. to, if you have to drink a beer, that's right, Dos Equis man. Yeah. I don't often drink yeah. beer. <laughs> Dos Equis may be good. Yeah. Corona. Yeah, uh, Bill Mann, favorite beer. You know, there's a uh, there's a brewery called Lagunitis, and they make a beer called Hairy Eyeball, which is spectacular. Hairy Eyeball, and what type of beer am I getting there? You're getting kind of a hoppy lager. I mean, it's it's very nice. Charlie, favorite beer. Their whole lineup actually is solid, but I'm going to give a uh, shout out to the local microbrew from my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri, which would be Schlafly, and they've just started showing up here on the East Coast. Uh, my favorite would be a coffee stout. That's uh, their Caldy coffee stout. Schlafly. These Schlafly. has to be from St. Louis. I mean, that's it such is. a St. Louis name. Yeah. yeah. Two great names, Harry Eyeball and Schlafly. Yes. Okay. And finally, what have you done for me lately? Um, Dunkin' Brands, parent company of Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins, had a very hot IPO last week. But this week, well, not so hot. Shares fell on Wednesday after the company reported a 1% decline in quarterly profit. Um, Jeff, some interesting same-store sales numbers here. Mm -hmm. Same-store sales overall up 3.2%. For Dunkin' Donuts, they were up 3.8%. But for Baskin Robbins, same-store sales fell 2.8%. So... Is this all about the donuts here? That's right. You know, it's funny. Wall Street Journal called the earnings blah in their headline. I've never seen them use that word before. Dunkin' Donuts were decent, 3.2%, but that's weak compared to Starbucks, which were 8% last quarter. Baskin-Robbins, same source sales were down, but they don't make much money at Baskin-Robbins anyway. Overall, it was it was a mediocre showing. Yeah, and it's a notes. franchise model, so a lot of those numbers on a quarter-to-quarter basis are a little bit squishy. And remember, this is the first reporting period for them as a public company and so there there's some costs of going public and they make almost 80 percent of their revenue from franchise fees and rental income so it isn't so much about the product they're selling it's about number of locations and as investors are y'all more leery of this franchise model as opposed to the corporate owned stores like starbucks or there's a bit of a risk to a franchise model because you have you're dependent on other people to help protect your brand. I mean, in a in a different market, a couple of years ago, Jackson Hewitt, the tax preparation company, they had franchisees that were basically breaking the law, and it's it destroyed the company. So, but a well-run franchise model is very asset light, and so you know it's it's six one half dozen the other. Now, in terms of U.S. revenue, Dunkin' is the seventh biggest restaurant chain. Starbucks is third. Um, last year, Jeff, I was surprised to read this stat, that Dunkin' Donuts opened more new locations in the U.S. than any restaurant except Subway. 
So what's the big opportunity here going forward for Duncan? It's still expansion. And that, that, that is one point of concern. They opened so many locations last year, and yet revenue was up some 4%. Uh, so not great growth on, on top of all those new openings. Expansion is, is still their biggest opportunity. But it's main, in the U.S., it's largely a, it's a geographic brand uh, headquartered in the Northeast. So you can say the rest of the country is an opportunity, but you can also say it's a, it's a risk. How well will the brand... Uh, translate into uh, on the West Coast and elsewhere. But in terms of loyalty, I saw one article that said that they have higher loyalty at Dunkin' Donuts than Starbucks does in terms of customers. Now, I don't know how they measure that, but yeah. that's that's pretty stunning. I mean, there's that's a, true. Yeah, there's the, 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 there is a bit of you know you you could look at Tim Hortons in Canada, and I mean there's there is there are examples of incredible brand loyalty for donut and coffee companies, and I think that Dunkin' Donuts' biggest opportunity is international. Actually, um, when I worked in Indonesia in the '90s, downstairs in our building was a Dunkin' Donuts, and they have you know they they have huge opportunities, and and they're not they're pretty good at it, and pretty good at making their their products locally relevant. Yeah, they only have three thousand locations internationally, uh, and almost seven thousand in the U.S. Yeah. So as as we wrap up here, just thoughts on Dunkin' the stock, Charlie. You know, I'm still uncomfortable with the level of debt these guys have. They'd use the proceeds of the IPO to pay it down, but they're still running $60 million a year in interest costs. And relative to the operating income they're generating, that's still uncomfortably high. I'd like, I'd like to see them delever a little bit more yeah, or the stock price come down. Especially for a franchise company. I mean, the, the, the benefit of being a franchise company is that you should be asset light. And Absolutely. You would also think they'd be debt light. So I, we just don't, t- we don't tend to really focus on companies until they've been public for a little bit because they're really is a change in how they operate. And, you know, until they've done it for a year or so, I, I just, you know, we, we, we just tend to ignore them. Keep your powder dry, huh? Yeah, I mean, because they change. I mean, when you suddenly have to report on a quarter-by-quarter basis, you just don't really know how a management's incentives and how they operate is, is, is going to change, you know, being observed that way. Jeff, thoughts on the stock? I'm with Charlie and Bill. I, I would wait at the very least. I, I don't view Dunkin' Donuts – you mentioned customer loyalty is, is high, but I just don't view them as a stellar brand. I'd rather own Starbucks the next 10 years. Those are fighting words. When Chris gets back, wow. Oh, I know. I know. Chris <laughs> loves them, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so there you have it. Well, now for a shameless promo. We were talking about Dunkin's IPO last week. Well, this week, you can get a brand-new free investment report from The Motley Fool called The Hottest IPO of 2011. Not the coldest, the hottest, guys. And we're not talking LinkedIn or Zillow or one of those other IPOs we've made fun of. It's Dunkin' Donuts. Just, <laughs> don't give it away. It's not Dunkin' Donuts. Just go to hotipo.fool.com. Jeff Fisher from Motley Fool Pro, Charlie Travers from Hidden Gems, and Bill Mann from Motley Fool Asset Management. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so please don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and we will see you on Thursday. 